Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode of Empowered with Lauren. We are in day 49 of the stay-at-home order, yet it seems like a lifetime ago when we were all in restaurants, attending parties, conducting business meetings, and especially having our children all in school. Two months ago, the thought of us sheltering in place was the furthest thing from our minds. However, this has been our reality. All of us have been forced to dramatically change our daily routines and our life during this time. The one thing I think we can all agree on is that in the past 49 days, we have shown that we are resilient and we do persevere. Yes, we are all in uncharted waters right now. And for many of us, we struggle on how to navigate this as individuals, yet we also know that we need to set examples for our children, knowing that how we act and react can cause lasting impressions on the way our children cope with their future. We have an amazing guest joining us today. We have Dr. Rhonda Yoss Kaplan. She has over 30 years of experience working with children and their parents. Dr. Rhonda has conducted psychological, neuropsychological, and education evaluation and school consultation. She has also been an adjunct professor, and for the past 20 years, she's in private practice. Her specialty is clinical child and adolescent psychology. She works with parents, individuals, families on providing behavioral management and developmental consultation. Dr. Rhonda, I am grateful to have you join us today on Empower with Lauren. I think there are many things we can talk about and hopefully we can work through together. Oh, thank you so much, Lauren, for that lovely introduction and for having me today. Dr. Rhonda, we are in uncharted waters, and I know as a parent to a six-year-old myself, dealing with this as a woman, as a mother, as a human being, has been trying on so many different levels, and yet I, I, I'm panicked by what I do and don't do, how it's going to affect my little girl's personality how she feels about what's going to happen when we start acclimating back into society. And I believe many parents are questioning that as well, knowing that before this whole pandemic started, teenage depression was up 65%. Whatever we do now, I don't want this to turn out that more kids are going to end up on antidepressants anxiety medication, because now they are riddled with all these different fears. What can we do? Well, clearly, we're being asked to fulfill a lot of roles at one time. But the most important thing we need to do is breathe, because there are opportunities to grow in this scenario. I'm not saying this is a good scenario. I'm not saying our children not having the structure of school. None of us parents are going to be great teachers. But it does give us the opportunity to slow down and role model emotional regulation. Um, right. You know, we're, 
we're so used to our kids running and doing and taking their music lessons and going to their gym classes and their team sports and their homework. And this is a slower time. And we can work on our relationships and we can work on how to talk to our children about adversity and fear. There's a lot we can do in this situation so that we're stronger and more resilient when we come out of it. I totally agree. I also think maybe going back to basic values that throughout the last, I'd say, 15, 20 years that maybe we've lost. I mean, think about how many families get to sit now and have dinner all together, where maybe that was once or twice a week, now it's seven days a week. Oh, my families tell me that all the time. Not only that, they're playing board games. People are cooking together. Right. Families are right. exercising together. Right. You know, there, are, there are a lot of opportunities for closeness. Um, I'm not saying people aren't worried. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk with our children. I'm just saying, you know, we have to be proactive. We have to talk with them in an age-appropriate way, in language they can understand. And we're also used to running so fast and, and forcing our kids to be uber-productive. And right. maybe it's time for us to slow down a little bit and go back to basics. So even the type A personality, and I think I suffer from this overproductive that if I'm not using my time efficiently and I'm not producing, then I'm failing. And I obviously don't want to put that on my child, so I have to, I know that I have to check that. I know that I have to make sure that what I'm bringing, what my energy is, when we wake up, I know that she's going to be modeling my feelings. So is it like, for example, when this first started and I had a few work projects that were supposed to be happening kind of simultaneously and I was trying to balance being this working mom, trying to working woman, trying to get this to be successful, come to fruition. Yet my responsibility to homeschool a six year old girl and keep her happy. I was just filled with anxiousness and it was apparent because she was feeling that. And then I had to take a look at myself and say, my energy is fueling her energy. I need to reevaluate. Right. 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 We have to look at our goals and really decide if they're reasonable. Can you accomplish the same amount of work if you have a child to homeschool? But you could also balance that with, you know, giving your child some independence, saying you do this while I do that, and come to me if you have a problem. And that that does give your child the opportunity to develop their own strategies, to have confidence in what they've produced. So if they make a mistake, oh, we'll do it again. What could we do differently? There are opportunities here that we have to take. I love that you're giving tangible things rather than just, you know, I always say we could educate, but if we don't give a tangible plan, it's just noise. And that's exactly a great tangible plan. Let's try, they try it on their own. If it doesn't work, we look at it and say, how could we do that differently? And And kids need structure. 
Right. So we try to structure the day. We don't lay in our pajamas all day. We get up. We have our breakfast. We do some schoolwork. And and when we parents are at our limit because we're starting to run around and be overwhelmed, that's time for us to opt out and take a break. And some things that weren't acceptable before, maybe putting your child in front of the television for half an hour is something you need to do while you go work out so that you can come back with renewed energy. We all get overwhelmed and we need to take a break. Just like when your daughter gets overwhelmed or thinks her drawing is terrible, you say to her, take a breath, go do something else, and when you come back, we'll try again. So I know that, that ages depends on how old your child is, is how you're going to talk or what you would or would not say. And I understand you're going to speak to a six-year-old differently than you speak to a 16-year-old. But how much information do we give our children, again, depending on their age, and what's too much information and what's not enough information? Because, again, I'm worried that for my six-year-old, I don't want her to be a germaphobe. I don't want her to yeah. feel that when, we walk, when we're out in public, hopefully in the next you know, week or two weeks or three weeks, however that's going to be, that she's scared for anyone to come near her or that she's never going to be able to hug someone again or hold someone's hand. How do we handle that? How do we navigate that? Well, we certainly have to be honest, but we have to be honest in an age-appropriate way. So certainly we're talking about right now. Right now we're social distancing, but we will figure it out. Humanity will figure it out. We're all working together, and you will be able to hug your friends again and go to school. For right now, we do have some concerns. And this goes for any news, like any kind of You know, there are all sorts of traumas in the world, wars, shootings, illnesses. You know, we don't want to run the news because children hear the news and they make their own interpretations, and it's scary. And we don't want to keep secrets because secrets have a way of growing and becoming scary. So we want to give them information. We can't shield them from reality, but we have to be proactive. We have to use age-appropriate language and... As parents, we have to be the first one to bring up these difficult topics and let our kids know that that we're available and we're supportive. So I have some rules of thumb. Um, Okay. First of all, you don't do it off the cuff. You think about what you want to say. You can practice it in your head. You can practice it with your partner, with a friend. But you want to know some bullet points of what you want to cover. For a six-year-old, it's very different than a 16-year-old. A 16-year-old understands science and epidemiology to an extent and can understand that our doctors and the most brilliant people in the world are working to solve this problem and we're all in it together and it'll get done, maybe not right now, but we'll get there. The second thing is, if you're talking with your child, you want to find a quiet moment You don't want to have this conversation with the TV on or the phone ringing or while you're at your laptop. You want to have it at the dinner table or in a quiet moment while you're coloring when your child is the center of your attention and you're not distracted. And you also find out what they know. 
You ask them questions. What have you heard? Tell me about it. What are you thinking? What are you scared of? And then we listen, and we listen really well. Because our children will tell us what they need to hear from us. And it's okay for us to share our feelings, to acknowledge, well, I'm a little scared too, but that's human. And even if I get upset, we'll work it out and we'll see that we can have all different kinds of emotions and we can manage our emotions. And that's okay. Don't lie to your kids. Don't make up stories. If you don't know, say, I don't know. It's okay not to know. We don't know everything. That's human. Just reassure them that as much as you can, you'll keep them safe. Always love them. If they want to talk about it again, you're here for them. You just want to be careful because bedtime becomes that time, you know, so they can <laughs> Let's have that conversation. Right, right, right. 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 So, uh, we have that. And then we have to remember to take care of ourselves. We have to remember when we have to take a break, when we have to turn off the news, when we have to do something to lift our own spirits, even if it means I'll work on this later or I'll stay up later or I'll, maybe it's time to bake, you know, we have to be attuned to ourselves and our families. A hundred percent. I got caught. I like what you said, that the parent should be the one bringing it up. And about four or five weeks ago, I got caught. I went upstairs to get something in the bedroom, and she asked, Alexa, tell me everything there is to know about the coronavirus. Wow. I come down three, and this is a six-year-old. My kid's pretty resourceful. I was impressed with that. Yeah. But I come down, and she has tears. Dr. Ronda streaming down her eyes, her face. What's the matter? Alexa told me. And I, I, I was stunned. I mean, I'm usually not at a loss for words. I wasn't really sure how to handle that. And I just, I kind of went to the, we are healthy. We are athletic. We eat our vegetables. We eat um, good foods. I, again, how I could kind of manipulate, manipulate that situation because she's six is a little different on what would I say if she was, you know, 12 or 13. Um, You would say, let's think about what we can control and let's think about the things we're grateful for. And let's be thankful that we're healthy and fit. And those are the things we we can make sure we sleep. We can make sure we socialize online with our friends, that we play games together, that we love each other, that we get exercise. Exactly what you said, that we wash our hands. Right, right. And here her answer to me was, I'm not going in any store until there is a vaccine. I was like to myself, wow. I said, really? What a kid. I'm going, yeah, this one's sharp. This one's sharp. Right. I she gets that from mama. No. Um, yes. <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm she, sure she does. She gets, she gets it, but I have to make sure. And here's a kid that has no fear that jumps off, uh, you know, clips. She, kid's crazy. She has, and I, I actually want her to have a little fear because there's no, right. I'm worried about that at times. And yet now I keep thinking to myself, what can I do to make sure she keeps that full of life feeling and doesn't go into any type of anxiety disorder? And I think it's very, I mean, the parent that 
the kids are listening. We talk to our girlfriends on the phone. You talk to your husband, your wife, your partner. And if you yes. start complaining and you yes. start and you start saying this effing virus is going to be the death of me, right. they, they are going to hear it and, like you said, interpret it in a different way. We have, as adults, we have ways of how we manage our thoughts and feelings and what we do and what we say, they have different ways of internalizing. Yes? Right. We have to be very self-aware. If our children are around, remember, they're not at school. We can't always say what we want to whenever we want to. And it's important for our own mental health also that we try to be as positive as possible. That doesn't mean we don't ever get angry, but that's also what you're role modeling. Maybe I said something on the phone I shouldn't have and my child saw it. Well, you say, I had a weak moment. I had a bad thought, but it's gone now. And I realize that everything will be okay. I'm going to stay healthy. And even if I get sick, I will recover. We'll recover. And that always yeah. turn it. There's it. It's hopeful. It's want to be hopeful, not hopeless. Right. So, Doc, right. you think it's okay when she, my daughter hears that I tell my husband, if you ask me one more question about dinner, I'm going to put you in a headlock. You think that was okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was long, real. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. I, parents ask me about their fighting all the time. And, you know, I'm not talking about destructive, harmful fighting. I'm talking about typical, you know, bantery fighting. It's not yes. so important if they see you fight. It's okay. But what is really important is that they see you make up, that they can yes. learn that you can be angry with someone you love, but that there's another side to that and we forgive each other because we love each other. And that's the human condition. We can't always control our emotions. You know, sometimes we make mistakes, but we have to admit them and we have to repair them. And that's I what also our kids would say, to see. And a real relationship, a real relationship, whether it's with your partner, your friend, your parent, you, you're going to have disagreements. And if you don't, I always question how genuine and real is that relationship. Right. Because there are two identities in that relationship, not one. Even if you're married, then there are three identities, each individual and the identity of the relationship, which hopefully makes you stronger. Right. So right. we're always going to have different views. We just have to learn how to manage them. And that's what we want to teach our kids. We have all kinds of feelings and fears all the time. But Let's say anxiety does get out of hand and we're really worrying. We have to tell our kids that the only thing that works as well as medicine in many cases is exercise. That's what the research shows. So if you are feeling anxious and if you are feeling moody, then you need to get moving. And I tell my teenagers all the time, look, just give me 20 minutes of hardcore sweating a day. Just, and if they don't want to do it every day, okay, give me 30 minutes, four times a week. Start with twice. But eventually, that really turns the brain around. You know, I'm not talking about severe mental illness, of course, but, you know, these are, these are times where people get scared and there is a lot of negativity out there in the world. And we have to right. you want to you want to raise your family. serotonin levels. Yes. And right. The serotonin levels, the dopamine, 100%. Right. I mean, I'm a huge, uh, I'm a, 
I love sports and I'm a big believer on you want to keep moving. You want to get that. You want to be sweating toxins out. It's a huge release. You feel good. You look good. You feel good. And it's, it's vice versa. I mean, my, my daughter knows give mommy 25 minutes of cardio or she's going to turn into a lunatic. Mommy, I don't want you a lunatic. I mean, you know, there's an and your, your daughter can exercise with you. Dance, put some music <laughs> on, dance, rock and roll, dance. whatever it is that turns you on, share it. I think what another interesting part of this, and it can go twofold here, is um, I'm very against social media for children in general for many reasons. And now I know that in some ways it could be that Children could be spending now eight, nine hours locked up in their room to the, led to their own devices. Who knows what's going no, no. on? No, right? no, no, no. And you never want that. Yet I no. also think on the, on the positive side, I think many kids can look at this as this could be a relief. There is no FOMO now. There's, nothing, right. there's no fear of missing out of any. There's no party going on right. where you're not invited to. There's no plans at someone's house that you weren't not included at. No one's having a better Friday, Saturday night. No one played at a game that you weren't able to participate or you weren't asked. So this could actually be a reset on how social media has been a huge influence in the life of teenage kids that where perception has now ruled their life over reality. And maybe now I'm hoping this may be a switch that, wow, the anxiety has maybe diminished a little bit or a lot because they don't feel the need to be on it like that. I want to look at it in a positive way rather than thinking parents are allowing their kids to lock themselves in their bedrooms and who knows what's going on. And there's now predators lurking in every chat room waiting for these kids that are on all the time. So I'm saying to the parent, especially, make sure your child is not doing that. Right? I mean, wouldn't you think? I feel like, at least in my clientele, in my circle, I feel like parents really are much more present than leaving them in their room all day and all night. Um, or, or some adult is more present. But what you're saying is also true. I think, you know, the social media has hit our girls really hard. Um, yes. And I, I do see that you're right about the FOMO. They're not watching so much where everybody is Friday night, who's partying, who's not partying. I do see a lot of the girls um, and boys you know, joining together in, like, group Zooms and, you know, hanging out at night and helping each other with homework. I do see a lot of really nice interpersonal relationships happening even over Internet, you know? That's the sense of community I think is happening all over, and that's what makes something like this bearable and you're you're taking the good right? What I don't want to see happen on top of it, though, and I do know this is happening a little bit, is that parents for young children like six years old or five years old or seven years old who would never have uh, entertained the thought of introducing them to social media, 
are using this as a babysitter. Let's put kids on house party at six years old. Mm-hmm. Or, and I, I think to myself, that's tragic, Dr. Ronda. I mean, like, yeah, think I'm about, not a fan. you're going to have to, no, you're going to have to walk yourself out of that once this is over. And so my thing is you're doing things now. It may be easier for to manage at this exact moment, but remember when this is over, there's going to be ramifications to that. So let's not do anything that we're going to have to walk ourselves backwards because you can't take things back once you, once you right. introduced it, right? Right. And, re- and remember, we said we all need structure. So if you need that peace, peaceful time, there, there are programs on the Internet, on Netflix, on TV, on everything that help us grow. You know, there are nice stories. There are non-competitive and non-toxic things we can do you know, through social media or, or with our viewing. Um, and it, it's okay not to be on top of your child every moment and to foster independence, but it's not okay not to supervise them. And, right. You know, just right. let it go. We all need, you know, to pay attention to good things, to positive things. And I'm not saying we don't want to see the negative. I'm just saying we don't want to dwell there. Because that's not good for our health or well-being, and we, and we need to we do, need to look for the good things or the opportunities in this moment, and there are a lot. Well, we, I also could think. I mean, look at the time period that just so happened to take a, a more appreciation of of nature. For example, mm-hmm. we're watching everything turn green. Symbol symbolizes life, a rebirth. Yes. Right. So we talked about this before on my last podcast is using this again, not minimizing what has happened, the lives that have been lost, the people that are struggling, um, that are in hospitals, people that are struggling at home. No one's minimizing that in any way whatsoever, but to stay healthy in your mind and your body, looking at the things you could be grateful for and maybe Mm -hmm. using this as a reset. Well, and you know knowing what you're reset. doing. So many people are talking with me about what the larger meaning of this is. You know, the fact that the earth seems to be cleaning itself and the skies are clearer and the fish are coming back and you can hear the birds. I mean, I think reset is a, is a good word because we all need to look at it. We, we need to make this a reset. We need to make this world a better place. We need to value our families and our friends and our neighbors. And we can change this trajectory, but it's going to take pro, proactive, you know, it's going to take trying. We can't just coast. We need to be proactive and do things that make this world a better place, that make us better parents, that model to our children how to live and how to be good humans. So I think that is where the silver lining is. I'm not saying it's a good thing. My family is in medicine. People are suffering. I'm not minimizing that. I'm saying right. we can't let it happen again. I think you said something just so powerful right now is that, A, I think we needed as a society to make a change. And, again, no one wanted this to be that change. But if right. we have to take we, – we need for our, our own well-being to take – or do something to make this positive in some situation. And I think 
many of us in society, uh, the society as a whole, has been coasting. And now we need to step back, and this has forced us to step back, to make tangible changes. Mm-hmm. And each um, of us has a role to play, and we need to yes. find it. Yes. Know, what's meaningful to each of us. If this means I'm reading more books, well, then that's a good thing, too. You know, whatever it is that we can do personally, professionally, that makes the world a better place. I don't want to sound like Pollyanna. I'm just saying we have to take note of those things and stop running up a ladder so that you get to the top of the ladder and say, how was the trip? I didn't notice. We have to talk to us about that's where you talk about productivity, anxiety. Oh, yeah. Productivity, anxiety. And I think sometimes I think of this a little bit more as a woman's issue, but I'm not sure if that's a fact or not. Just that we all have to be so tightly scheduled, that we have to be so productive, that every moment counts. And and there's no room to to sit down and do nothing. No. We, we do need sometimes time to reflect and think and plan and share. It, it's okay. You don't need to be moving every moment, and your child doesn't need to be busy every moment. Your child also needs to learn how to be mindful and how to appreciate the moment and maybe just reflect or think or compose poetry, whatever. We don't have to run everywhere. That's okay. I like that. By productivity and anxiety. Yeah. Relax. I like that. It's going to be okay. So I now think we, we as society, yeah, we all do that, I think, and that's why the children are overscheduled. And I think I suffer from that as an adult tremendously. Tremendously. You um, mean the productivity and anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. Um Doing, doing, always on the go, uh, making things happen, making things happen, making things happen. That by the time, and I do, and I'm the big believer in self-reflection, but I think I'm self-reflecting while I'm on the go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm that's, not against that's movers and shakers, Lauren. Or <laughs> <laughs> a mover and a shaker. I'm not against I'm that. a mover I'm and a shaker, doctor. I am a mover and a shaker, yes. I like to shake my but, cushy. I like to move. And, I, and the reflection is going on while I'm moving and while I'm shaking that's fine, but the key word is balance. Balance. We, we, need, we need to move and shake, and, but we also need to take time to be with our families and our children and process our emotions and be good role models. I mean, I think it's about balance. Well, I think the and that is thing. what happened with this virus. It got out of balance. Right. But I think the biggest thing in whether it's this virus and anything else, we are the role models. We are what's setting the example. So if we are messed up, likelihood our children are going to be messed up. What would you say to a parent who truly has deep anxiety about acclimating back into society um, about getting sick. And, and listen, everything, if you're OCD, it's exasperated right now. If yeah, anything yeah. you have, it's, it's heightened. And I understand that. I think everyone else understands that. But what would you tell that parent who has children at home and, who they're, and they're having 
the, as an adult, as a person, as a human being, they're having trouble getting themselves okay with leaving the house when this is appropriately timed. What would you tell that parent? You're, you're telling me that the parent is having deep anxiety. Yes, and the parent makes the interpretation of the world for their child. So what do you tell that parent? I might tell that parent if, if they've talked with their friends and their supports and reached out to all of their resources, I might say it's time to contact a professional. Yes. Because that's, there that's, are strategies. That's where I was going with that. Yes. Yes. And, and sometimes we, we do get into these negative cognitions and they loop over and over and it's really hard to break out of them. I mean, look, a lot of people use self-help guides or, or have a trusted friend and sometimes that can help. But if that doesn't help and you're having trouble being functional and, and thinking about reentering when the danger is gone, then maybe you have to talk to someone and find some other strategies. And that's power, and that's being yes. a good role model. That's, that's knowing that you need right. You need help. That's strong and powerful in knowing that you need help, and you know that you don't want to put this on your child. You don't oh, want to pass that fear onto your child. You don't want your child riddled with that anxiety. Because with that if fear. we know anything, we know that we will pass it on if we're not managing it. And, right. and we, you know, some of my best parents have had the worst childhoods and they just know this. They promise themselves, this is something I will never do to my child. And they stick to it and they're fabulous and they know it. But then there are some other things that, you know, sometimes you just, don't know a way out of the damage, but there's always a way out. And you have there's to always find the right help. Yeah, you have to find the right help. And if it didn't work the first time, try again. And if this person's not the right person, try another one. Try another person. So, right. right. Because not every, you know, you can't please all the people all the time. But that human connection and sometimes having a guide, an educated guide who, who can show you the way out of that pattern is really helpful. That, that could be the key in, in your balance, that connection, yeah. that chemistry between you and that person. Mm-hmm. That could be your savior. Some pe- and some people find it through psychotherapy. Some people find it through yoga. Some people have gurus. It, it, however you find that balance and mindfulness and peace and ability to function in a healthy way, you find it because that's what you're passing on. And you want to pass on the best of yourself. Right, not the that's worst. Really important right. to most parents. Most of us just love our children, want them to be happy. So if we're not happy, we need to make an adjustment because it'll be harder for them to be happy if we're not happy. I think that's the most important thing you said, and you've said amazing things tonight, but that's the oh, most important you. thing. Can you say that again, doctor? I think our personal happiness is what we will pass on to our children. And our personal issues and unhappiness is also what we'll pass on. So we have to be self-aware and learn how to help ourselves. And if we can't help ourselves, we need to find a guide. Right. If you're not happy and you're perpetuating this unhappy energy, 
your child nine out of 10 times is going to be unhappy. If you're an anxious person and you're very tense, your child's usually going to be anxious and tense. Mm -hmm. If you're smiling and you're feeling and you're, you're the optimist and you're fused with positivity, your child's going to feel that way. Yes. And, and I, your child I'm will feel empowered. empowered. Yes. Right. If your child yes. sees that you're struggling and you say to your child, you know, I'm struggling and I'm concerned about it, so I'm going to go get some help and then you get better. What have you shown your child? That we all have struggles, but there's a way out and we can make ourselves better with the right interventions. And that's what we all, that's, that's what life is, moving forward, being healthy, spreading goodness doing good work, acceptance. We can't cure everything. Sometimes we have to accept things as they are. But all, we, all any of us want, whether it's in this country or anywhere else, is for our children to grow up healthy and happy, for our families to be together and at peace. That's all anyone wants. Right. And the, and the children are watching. I think that's the big thing. Children are watching, emulating what you're doing. Here's a funny story. So a week ago or something, someone we had a, a, a box of these tiny little Legos that made princess carriages or something uh, with uh -huh. them. And I've, I'm not a Lego person. I never was. And my daughter's like, I want to build this princess Lego Cinderella, Cinderella's um, carriage. And the pieces were the size of my cuticles. Right? Yes. And I said, yes. yeah, that's not mommy's thing. And, she's, and so my daughter says... <laughs> We try everything. And I was like, oh, under my breath. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. We sit down and no joke. Two hours later, Dr. Rhonda, sweat is dripping down my head. My armpits are saturated. I'm cursing under my breath. Going, and, I, and I go, I can't, and every time I go, I can't do this. She says, mommy, we don't quit. We don't <gasps> quit. You, and I was Whoa. like, I'm going to take this little, 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 little quit. And I go, no, no, we don't quit. Mommy doesn't quit. And I sat there for no joke, two hours and 49 minutes to prove oh that mommy doesn't quit. And she tested me. My little six-year-old tested me. And yet Your little six-year-old sounds amazing. She's a sassy little frog. She's adorable. But, she, but I kept pushing and saying, we don't quit in anything. You try. You don't, you don't give up. And she, I had to, if I was going to talk the talk, I had to walk the walk. And I did. A great story. And she, and she was so impressed with this. And she kept saying, Mommy's an expert Lego maker. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, I need a drink. <laughs> I'm really impressed you didn't say go ask Dad. <laughs> I, want, I said in the beginning, I go, that's not my thing. That, and, I, and I was like, nope, I got this. I got this. So think about and I was, what I was seeing. Like I was cross-sided. My eyes were going. I, I, was, I had a headache, was, but I did it. I did it. So, so play this forward till she's sitting with her chemistry books. What did you teach her? You, you taught quit. her. Right. And eventually you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it. Right. Right. And that was a huge. And I know she was testing me. I mean, it was, it was apparent. And I had yeah. to do, I had to, I had to live and, and, and be that role model. And by the way, I, I mean, it was funny it, and when I look back, but while it was happening, I was pissed. <laughs> like, yeah. I was sweating and I was pissed. But so I had to taught you a thing or two about 
Frustration tolerance. You taught your child frustration tolerance. Oh, I did. Because I, if my, the slew of profanity that was really wanted to come out of my lips was, was unbelievable. It really was. But she, um, she taught you something too. She taught you that, you know, positive words, you can do it. We don't quit. Really shored you up. Yes. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, my kid can teach me things. We all can teach each other things. I think positivity is, is contagious energy. So if positive energy gives positive energy, negative energy gives negative energy. And even whatever we're going in, I mean, we want to keep infusing hope, even though you said, and it's okay to say, you don't know something as a parent, but we want to stay hopeful. Right. But, but what you just said is really important, too. It's that kids, you know, if you're having an issue with your child, instead of harping on what they're doing wrong, you pay attention to what they're doing right. And then they will want to please you. And it's easier to extinguish what they're doing wrong because they'll know what pleases you because you've told them. You know, sometimes kids get, they don't see the difference between positive and negative attention. Attention is attention. But if you really take the care, you know, how often does a parent walk into a room where their kids are getting along and say, I'm so proud of you all getting along versus you guys stop fighting. <laughs> I mean, right. really? Right. Pay attention to what's good. You'll get Interesting more. Interesting you said that. Right. Right. You get more bees with honey or more honey with... Yes. What's yes, that one? Exactly. Something like that, right? You, you catch more bees with honey than vinegar. You catch more, yes, yes. I never get those sayings right. It's just something that never connect, you know, connects with my brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I, I so appreciate it, everything you're saying, and I think this is a huge, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human. There's no shaming. We're all going through this. Like we said, we're in uncharted waters. We are going through this for the first time and hopefully we don't repeat this and this is this time period, but we're role models and we're trying to navigate this as, as, as human beings, as a, as people, but we have a huge responsibility by being parents and we don't want to mess our children up. And we all have ups and downs and that's okay. We all have ups and downs. That's human. We just need to learn to manage them. That's what we pass down. Managing is the key, right? Yes, absolutely. Managing, communicating, you know, trying to look at a situation and find some goodness in it so that we can move forward and not sink into despair. I think the most important thing here is we are all in this together. And I believe, and I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I'm going to say it anyway, this shouldn't be, this time period should not be a political one. This should all be about us working together about being a stronger society. We need to put our politics, our feelings aside, stop the blame, stop the name calling. During this pandemic, we need to think and talk and infuse all about hope, how we're going to get through this together, because there's so much of the negativity that you can hear, and it, it, it literally is a domino effect. 
And instead of everything being about what side is more, what's my, what side's better, who did what, that's all also gets the, gets the parent in. If you're putting on the news and you're watching one station and they're comp- they're calling, you know, the Republicans are screaming at the Democrats, the Democrats are screaming at the Republicans. I hate that this one, you hate that one. How is that healthy right now? It's How could that be productive? We are a global community, as this pandemic has shown us. This is about humankind. This isn't about us and them. This is about all of us making our world a cleaner, healthier place for our future generations of our children. The, the hate isn't going to help us. We, we, need, we need to work together. We're right. all afraid of getting sick. It's not just here or there or Republicans or Democrats. It's all of us. We all want to be healthy and have healthy families and children. So we do have to stop swinging toxic language and exhibiting toxic behaviors. We need to all be role models. I love that. I think we need to end on that because we can't get better than that. That's exactly we all need to be role models. Dr. Rhonda, you, you are, I love talking to you. I love your voice. You're very calm. I love talking with you too, Lauren. This has been you really are, I mean, you're, you're, you're a very, very special person. And I think, I'm going to say one thing. I know we said we we're going to end, but I have to add this. I think the one thing I believe each and every one of us feel and has been a constant during this pandemic is the absolute gratitude we all feel to our first responders, our healthcare workers, everyone on the front lines. I mean, you are, you're, you're a doctor. You are a hero. You will always be a hero. I am grateful to you. I know society is grateful to you. And you should be really proud of the career path that you've chosen and that, you are, that you're on and what you do on a daily basis. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh. Thank you. I don't even know what to say, but thank you. That was really beautiful. And I do really pray and hope for our first responders because they're amazing, so amazing. They are. They are. Um, For all our listeners, you can reach Dr. Rhonda. The best way is her email address, which is Dr. Dr. Yos Kaplan at gmail.com. So that's D-R-Y-O-S-S. K-A-P-L-A-N at gmail.com. Dr. Rhonda's information will be on my website at empoweredwithlauren.com. I always love hearing your feedback, your thoughts, your comments. You can reach me on my email at lauren at empoweredwithlauren.com. To all of you that have lost loved ones during this time, I am sending you and your family my deepest condolences. And for those of you who are fighting to get healthy from this virus, please stay strong and positive and know that each one of you are loved. To the rest of my listeners, wishing you light, health, peace, and friendship. Until next time.